Welcome to episode 17 of the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast, where you hear what it's like to train for and run your first marathon. I'm Dwayne France, and I'm joined by Coach Morgan Lattimore, the People's Coach, and together we're going to share the week-by-week training journey that will take me, just a regular guy and a mere mortal, to the finish line of my first marathon. And if I can do it, you can too. Thanks for joining us for the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast. I'm excited to be going on this journey and pleased to invite you to join me along the way. There's a couple of ways that we can be connected. Follow the podcast wherever you listen to them and you'll be notified when a new episode comes out. You can also see where the journey takes me by connecting on Strava by going to strava.com forward slash athletes forward slash M3 podcast. The links will be in the show notes. There you'll see where the journey takes me and if I'm following the training plan like I'm supposed to be. You find all of the episodes on the fundraising page for my charity partner, the Second Wind Fund, at coloradogives.org forward slash M3 podcast. The mission of the Second Wind Fund is to decrease the incidence of suicide in children and youth by removing barriers to treatment. Simply by listening right now, you're doing your part. Every time someone listens to an episode, $1 will be donated to the Second Wind Fund up to $1,000. So listen, share, and know that you're doing your part to stop suicide in children and youth in Colorado. So check out coloradogives.org forward slash M3 podcast for all the episodes to give to the cause or to simply see how far we've gotten. This week, Coach Morgan and I discuss week 14 of training. We're a month out and the time's coming up quickly. Week 14 found me traveling again for work, so the volume was a bit lower at 35 miles. We did eight miles on Tuesday and three miles on Wednesday. We had a 16-mile run scheduled on Saturday and an eight-mile run on Sunday. The Colorado weather caused us to make some adjustments, so we swapped the two with the 16-mile on Sunday instead. As you heard in the last episode, the first 16-mile run we did wasn't so great, so we made some adjustments in fueling and some other stuff. Spoiler alert, this week's 16-mile run was a lot better. So check out this week's Coaching Call Reviewing the Week, and we'll come back afterwards to wrap things up. All right, so that was week 14. Week 14. Yeah, you said it's been going quick. This week seems like it did go quick. I had a little bit of travel and a bunch of the miles were sort of bunched up, but this week seems like it went by really quick, and I think the time is going to pick up the closer we get to the race. Yes, that, that's, but that's how I, I always call it the bathroom syndrome. The closer you get to it, the more you got to go. <laughs> that's I don't think I've, I've heard that one before, but that's now probably going to be one of my favorite and maybe graphic metaphors, but you're right. But everybody you're can understand right. that. Though. Absolutely you... right. You are, I used to say horse run into the barn door, but this okay. one is much more relatable. Yeah. I so I never heard that one before. That's a good one. You had something on there. Okay. Tell me about your week, man. You tell me, like, how did it go on your end? We had um, 35 miles this week, which was down actually from the last week because you had some travel going on. It was, but, and like you said, we, we bunched it up and did the 16 mile this week. I was back in D.C., and one thing that I was thinking of, I had an eight-mile run in D.C., and when I was in D.C. earlier in the training cycle, I think we were doing six-mile runs, and I was reflecting how different it was this time in D.C., how easier it was, honestly, this time having the miles for the eight-mile run than when I was in D.C., and we went to the same place, and that's where we keep holding these events. So it, it felt really good had a little bit of good work stress where I was unable to sleep. And so I popped down to the hotel gym at like 2.30 in the morning to do my three-mile treadmill run to knock it out and get it out of the way. Right. But yeah, other than that, we had a little bit of the snafu, weather snafu snuck in on us and swapped the two long runs this weekend around. But overall, it went pretty good. 
And then we had to make some adjustments for yesterday because, you know, we were talking about the snow and which is funny. You had one, that picture you sent me was beautiful. Uh, yeah. 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 That picture was, yeah, it reminded, I forgot where we were when we were riding across America. We were in this town in Colorado. We weren't too far from Wolf Pass and we were at this town. It was so cold. I guess I remember it was so cold and we rode at night and these deer, they were deer. They weren't even moose. They were deer, but they were the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. And it's dangerous when you're out there running or cycling because they had just run you over. But it was so beautiful. You got the mountains in the background. You had the snow out there and just a road. So you end up doing eight miles outside or on a treadmill? No, so I did do eight miles outside. Uh, yesterday morning when I got up, it was, and I think I'd shared with you, I think we'd had two and a half inches and it was still snowing pretty steadily at like seven. And if you would have said 16 miles on the treadmill, do it. I would have done it. I don't know that I would have enjoyed it, but you, you got to do what you got to do. Then we we swapped today's eight mile run and yesterday's 60 mile run switched to two. But then by the time I got to the gym, birds were singing, sun was out. Most of the snow on the roads were melted. And I said, you know what? I'm certain that I could have done the 16 miles yesterday, but I didn't bring enough nutrition. And I had only right. had the setup. It for don't force it. Run. Yeah. yeah, it don't force it if it don't fit. So did you use, how did you run the eight? Did you do straight run or did you, because we were basically scheduled to do a ratio, nine one ratio because of the 16 miles. Did you run that one straight or did you just run all the way through? So I ran the eight miles straight and then I did the 16 mile run today at a nine one ratio. But Got yeah, you. I did do the eight miles straight, but still doing the gels at the 30. And like you said, in, in whether the salt caps, but I got the Huma Plus gels and I did those running that let's, pretty. Yeah, let's talk about Saturday real quick. So I was reading it. It says no, caffeinated. It says, how was the non-caffeinated the gels in comparison? Good. Did you feel different, any different or? I don't know that I felt any different, really. I think it's hard to gauge, again, being not at altitude all week and then coming back and running at altitude. You don't know what's you coming back to altitude and running that. But I don't know that I really noticed any difference as far as the fueling and the gel. I think I did notice at probably, I don't know, it was probably mile six or seven, I was feeling a little, not even lightheaded, but dragging a little bit. And then I had one of the plus gels. And then I found a few minutes after that, feeling picked up. So I did notice yeah. the plus gel at the end really helping out. And the plus one was the one with the double electrolytes. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure I'm clear. So tell me about the nine one. Tell me how did you go into that? What were you thinking before you did it? And then during and then after, how did you feel? It felt good. I didn't really have any questions. I think actually I used to do that. I, and actually, I think I used to do it, run a mile, walk a minute kind of thing, right? So it was pushed into whatever pace I was running in like 1030 or 10, you know, so I didn't do it nine minutes and then one. And again, I think it felt really good. One of the things that I was thinking, and a lot of times people think about when you have to run a marathon, you have to run the marathon, right? You, there's, it's all running, no walking. And so the idea of walking during a marathon I recognize for some people may be questionable. I don't know that it was for me, but the idea of there's this, again, this idea of if you're running a marathon, you should run the entire thing and don't walk. Depends on, yeah, it depends on the, and how it's not even a mental thing. It's like, what is the realistic physical ability? Like you can, I think you can run it. I personally think you can run it. We had to slow it down, but our goal is not to 
PR, again, we talked about this in the last couple of episodes, is the goal is to make sure you have a great time and enjoy it. And you, especially with most marathon, there's a lot of people. And if you're not super fast, right, and this is where the difference is, right? You got fast people, you got the middle of the pack, you got the back of the pack. Well, the most congested part of a race is the middle of the pack, right? And that's going to, and that blob moves from start to finish, right? Depending on where you are in it, there's a, the front and end of the middle pack too. And so the, the faster people are up front, do they have the chaos at the A stations? Not unless it's out and back in the A station is like double-sided or something. You might have more people, more chaos and more people at the A stations that you have to weave and bob through. So faster people don't have the traffic in front of them and at the A stations that most people do. When you're in the middle of the packer and even some of the back, in the back of the pack, you have to understand if you are worried about stopping most large marathons, you have to go in, like move from the middle of the road to the outside of the road to get to what you're drinking or eating or whatever. And there's going to be more people there. You're not going to run through that. That's just the realistic piece of that. You might walk fast. You might jog through it, but you're not going to run through it because there's going to be so much there. And it's not and the juice ain't worth the squeeze for you to be dodging people and water bottles and water cups and cleanup crews and other people out there. And then just think about the A station. People are going to be handing you stuff, but there are also going to be people just darting in to grab stuff and darting back out. So you have to, how am I going to strategize to do this? So the key is to prepare your body, not only to make that stop, is to be okay with that stop. And so there's a psychological piece on it. But the physical part is, I don't know if we talked about last time, but doing the 9-1 is I have to stop stopping right? Because sometimes running, when you start, your legs start getting tired, you might've felt this before, stopping hurts, <laughs> right? And so I need to see, let's see if I can find that link at a Trisley magazine. And it talked about the marathon of the Ironman where, where I wrote an article about it, it being okay to walk. And because most people, when they start walking, nine times out of 10, they don't start running again because the pain is a little bit unbearable. Because to start running again on tired legs takes training. And some people don't want that feeling. So if you train yourself to start and stop, then psychologically and physically, you're prepared for the race day. And you can understand how to navigate the aid stations. So what I would do is then looking at people is really find out what you want out of it. What are you looking to do out of it? And most athletes that I talk to, probably 90% of them, don't have realistic expectations, right? I'm going to run the whole marathon. But are you? Like, but really, are you? And so that means in training, did you stop at all? Did you stop to go to the restroom? Did you stop to fill your water bottles? Like stopping is stopping. And so if you're trained to it, it's more likely to have a smoother transition into the race day and then moving forward from there. So that's the biggest piece. I think I'm going to try to find that dang old article. Maybe we can link it to the podcast show notes. It talks about that. And a lot of people deal with that piece. And I've seen people get upset because they can't start running again. You're absolutely right. It, the way that you're having me do it and the way that we're planning that, we're walking strategically. Whereas again, and we made these adjustments based off of my experience last week, where once I started walking, it wasn't strategic. Like I was running straight through and then whatever that mile 12 and the nutrition and everything, the heat and everything broke me down, that it wasn't strategic. It was necessity. Today, it was much more strategic. And with everything that we had planned with the fueling and the hydration, I felt much stronger at the end of the run. Like I still had more to go, even with the eight mile yesterday, because we did it strategically 
not out of necessity. Right, right. The key is like same thing as in training with nutrition. Knowing what you're going to do, okay, having a conversation, it might not happen to you. I don't want you to go out there and lose your nutrition on purpose or on training day. But me as a coach, asking like, what will you do if, okay, everything that you normally taking doesn't work? What are you going to do? You lose everything. Something happens. Your gut doesn't want it anymore. You have a stomach. Like, you don't know. There's so many things that can happen on race days. So if you've only trained with one thing, you haven't looked at the course. So that I would ask you now. And since we're, we're on this subject, have you reviewed what they're carrying on the course? I haven't looked at what they're going to be offering at the aid stations. I've looked at the course. I'm familiar with the course like I've gone through and looked at the distance of the course. And, and they even have the, the marathon actually has a relay. So they actually have it broken down into sections. So I've been thinking about this section of the course and this mm -hmm. section of the course and things like that. But I have not taken a look at what they're going to be offering on the course but I'll do that. Have you ever had a race where you got into the race and it didn't go as planned? And I'm talking about anything. Yeah, other than the one several weeks ago where they shorted the course on us and they, yeah. and they said, I think, yeah, there's things like that. I can tell you, and this is perhaps, again, the whole point of this, the benefit of the coach. I can tell you that I don't think I've prepared for any race as strategically as I've prepared for this one. There's races, and this was way back in the day, where we were, we were preparing for Afghanistan and most of my training was being through like ruck marches and stuff, right? Like I, I didn't do much long distance training. We were doing 18, 20 mile ruck marches, but I wasn't doing very much run training and then in, in just suffered through those. But I don't know that there were many that I prepared for enough to know whether it went to plan or not. You know what I mean? And that's the key, right? Which is amazing for you. That's a good thing because there's a lot of people that for me, I'm a planner, and so I've had more good times than bad. But just like we are planners, there are people that are not planners. There are people that are shooting from the hip. There are people that just don't know what they don't know. And so those are some things that people need to think about. Like, what are you, the whole piece of long distance and endurance racing, it doesn't matter what discipline it is, longer you're going to be out there. Have you simulated racing and the conditions in training? So you're almost trying to prompt the things to go wrong in training. Like what is going to happen? Is my hip going to hurt? Is my shoes good enough? Is my nutrition tight? Am my pacing good? That's supposed to happen during training. But that's why you have to push and have simulations of like race pace, race conditions, race nutrition, race morning through that. Because the further you go, and this is for people that have not done marathon before, the further you go, the body changes. The thing, like 5K. Do you need, we talk about this all the time. Do you need hydration on 5K? You do not. Do you need hydration on a marathon? You do. A lot. And it depends on the conditions and everything and your body type and all the other stuff. But I always tell people that are moving from like shorter distance events to longer distance events. It's not about can you be physically prepared because most people can. Go run this distance, go do this, go do that. The thing about long course is do you have the knowledge to triage if something goes wrong, physically, mentally, emotionally, nutrition-wise, hydration-wise, injury-wise, do you have enough knowledge to make sure that no matter what happens during the race, you can take care of it during the race and still finish? And I think that's the challenge of being a first-time marathoner is having the knowledge without the experience. I can look up articles all day long on the internet but then not being able to have the experience to go with that knowledge 
If I would have had that challenging 16-mile run last weekend, I don't know that I would have made the changes that you, based on your experience, suggested that we make to have it a good experience this weekend. And I think that's one of the things that not just being able to have the knowledge, again, we can read what we need to do, but then the experience of it is also a valuable thing. And if you don't have it, go find it is what I'm talking about. Experience is created in training. Doesn't mean you have to do the race all the time. Experience, just you want to recreate or create the conditions you may come up against. If it could rain, go one day run in the rain. You can plan that. You know what? I'm going to run this in the rain. When is it going to rain? I'm going to have a run day. So it, preparation is key. Preparation prevents piss poor performance. And so these are the things that you think out, that you draw out, that you plan out, visualize. What is it going to be? What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? And you think about it over and over and over. Because we're like, oh, you visualize the starting, you visualize the finish line. But what about everything in between? And so understand, like you said, looking at the course. Next is understanding where the aid stations are. What do they offer? What is your body comfortable with? Because guess what? If you get out there and say, or say you say worst case scenario, and this has happened, you drive all the way to the race and you forgot your nutrition. What do you do? What do you do? And pe most people will freak out. That's why I always tell people race morning. I tell my athletes, look around. Because I know you're going to be prepared. And I say, look around and look at how frantic some people are because they are not. And that brings extra stress. And that extra stress is, uses extra energy. And that extra energy is taken away from that run. And so the key is how can we show up, prepare, calm, focus, and visualize and success? That's the key to a preparation. And that's, again, that's something I was thinking about on my run today is we've talked about the mental aspects of the marathon, but we haven't really talked a lot about the psychological aspects of, you know, but it's something you helped me to realize is I'm always thinking of the mind over the body, right? The mind at some point has to push the body forward. But with this nutrition thing that we've been changing the last couple of weeks, it's really the body supporting the mind. And I think you said it last week of, when I got to the bottom of that hill and my nutrition had fallen apart, I fell apart because my mind got me in the place of, oh, I don't think I can do this or, oh, this hill is too big or things like that. And so it's really the body supporting the mind as much as it is the mind controlling the body. And it's funny because I sent you that link for that article and the article says the reason most triathletes walk during the marathon of Ironman and one of them is poor fueling. Right. It's and when you're in a calorie deficit, you get negative thoughts. Your energy goes lower. You don't have things firing your muscles. There's so many pieces that come regarding nutrition. And for me, if I was out there training or racing, the first thing I, when if I start having negative thoughts or having negative moments, what is my nutrition? Think about how many people could prevent those negative moments if the nutrition was on point. And that's the biggest. I had an athlete and she listens to this podcast actually. So, if you're listening, you know who I'm talking to. And she did really good with her nutrition, like really good. And she was excited about it, but she was focused on it. And she also has been through a lot of nutrition wasn't right. But when you nail it, and there's always ways we can narrow down to perfection, but you're basing that off your body, race conditions, and all kinds of other things. And her energy level, even when she finished, was still high. Mm -hmm, and, right. and as a matter of fact, I, was, I talked to her the other day. We didn't talk about that. But usually when you're depleted, when you finish, like the, how you felt about the past event 
the race or the training session is also mental because you could have had like really good numbers, but if you were in a negative place and you were hungry at the end, your comments and feedback on that experience and your the way that your memory holds on to that experience is going to be like, oh, that run sucked, but did it? But did the run suck or did you just not do something correctly? Right. And so that's the piece. And I talk about her again, like she was so excited about getting it and she focused on it. She made sure she had it. And she's not only are you doing a marathon, but she's going to a full Ironman distance. So we still have to run. And so to understand the nutrition has that piece that the people overlook. There's so much to triathlon, to ultra running, to running. And just so you know, like everything 26.2 and over is really ultra running. Not people are just doing that. Like marathons are a bigger thing now, but this is not something we do on a regular basis. Most people walk 5K, 10K in their daily lives, not only for an event, but if there's nobody say, like, you know what? I walk 26.2 miles a day. <laughs> I had I, I got enough steps for 26.2 miles. No one is saying that. So this is an endeavor the body's not used to. And so you have to make sure that you're doing your due diligence on preparation all the way around the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, if you go down that route. And, you know, that nutritional part that we overlook. Everybody's fixated on pace, 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 pace. I'm not fast. Why? Because somebody's pace is faster than mine. Yeah, but what do I got to do with you? What are you doing? And that's really taking the time not to focus so much on things that you can't control, but controlling the things that you can. And that's where planning out your nutrition, talking about it, or even if we say you don't have a coach, say you don't have a coach, write it out so you can see it. Go walk away, just like writing an essay. When they taught in school, write it all out, walk away, come back, read it again. Do the same thing with your nutrition, same thing with your strategy and your plan, and try to find, that's all I do as a coach. I'm trying to, like, people are like, oh, you you said it's always something negative. Is it po-? Yeah, there's positive when you do something positive, but my job is trying to find holes in everything. You need to find those same holes in your plan, in your strategy for nutrition and pacing so you can fix them because where you don't want to find the hole is on race day. Right. That's right. The hole should be peeled before it is. So look for them early, prevent them on the back end. Yeah. And I, I think, and that's exactly what I felt today. Again, comparing last week's 16 mile run to this week's 16 mile run. Last week, I was, the tank was drained both psychologically and physically. Like I was wiped out. Right. And at the end of this 16 mile run, it was a different route, but it was the, same final four miles, it, the way I came back through the same exact four miles that broke down last week, I ran this week and I wasn't drained either physically or psychologically. I physically felt like I could go longer and psychologically was like, I should push it to 18. But coach said I probably shouldn't. Right. But Just, I was, yeah, <laughs> but that's where I was at psychologically. Like I still wanted to keep going and felt like I could. We had that conversation and I told you, I know you can run this distance. I totally know you can run this distance. And we just have, to, and that's why I said we look at the biggest piece. But think about this. How many people would not even have looked at nutrition and just would have been, they would have told themselves how inadequate they thought they were. And that's where I think that idea of, I could have, after, if I didn't have a coach, I could have looked up on the internet and I could have read an article that said your nutrition isn't great. And I would have gotten that knowledge, but I wouldn't have had the benefit of experience to how do I change it? And I think that's really, again, this benefit of having a coach along this journey has been extremely helpful. Yeah. 
It is good, man. It's a good. Yeah. You're doing really good. We got a 40 mile week this week coming up. It's got got some snow on the weekend again. This is tripping. This place is crazy. Well, we we are. <laughs> we say here in Colorado, you're more likely to get a white Easter than a white Christmas. But we're used to it. And as evidenced, it was it snowed about three inches yesterday, and the trails were totally dry today, completely gone, hundred percent, no wow. snow. So just wait for twenty minutes, and it'll go. So we'll. It's gonna be a cold day though. It's forty-five degrees, twenty-one the low on Saturday. That's your eighteen miler. I'm looking forward to it. Get it done. Yeah, you really did good on the. So we got we slowed your pace down too, from ten minute mile to ten thirties. So we ran at a 10.30 for nine minutes, and then we walked for one minute, and you averaged 10.37. Nailed it. Nailed it. That's what I'm talking about. I love it. What they said at the A-team, I love it when a plan comes love together. Love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> yeah. That's it, man. That's all I got. You're doing good. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep moving forward. We're getting close. Sounds getting close, good. We'll keep going. Thanks, Coach. All right, brother. Week 14, we're getting closer and closing in on the final preparations. It's not just about running the miles. It's a big part of it, of course, but one of the many things that I've learned from Coach Morgan is that it's more than just running the miles. He said it in probably the first or second episode, and he's said it again since. There are so many things to know about running a marathon, and you can't just dump all the knowledge in at once. We always hear about how something's a marathon, not a sprint. People say it in the work that I do, coalition building around mental health and suicide prevention. It's a marathon, not a sprint meaning it's going to take a long time to do it, and it's not going to be over quickly. But there are other aspects of the marathon that apply to long-term project development. It's not going to be easy. You have to put in the time, and you have to put in the work. And more than almost anything else, as I'm learning, is that you have to prepare. That's why I always tell people, race morning, I tell my athletes, look around, because I know you're going to be prepared. And I say, look around, and look at how frantic some people are, because they are not. And that brings extra stress. And that extra stress uses extra energy. That extra energy is taken away from that run. And so the key is how can we show up, prepare, calm, focus, and visualizing success? That's the key to preparation. So as Coach Morgan just said, preparation is key. He's not going to be there physically with me in the starting corral of the marathon, but all the things that I've learned from him will be there with me. All of the plans we made together will have gotten me to that point, will get me across the start line, through all the miles of the marathon, and across the finish line. And I can only imagine how grateful I'll feel. So thanks again for joining us for the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast, where you can hear mere mortals like you and me reach our goals as I train for the 2023 Denver Colfax Marathon. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me at Dwayne at VeteranMentalHealth.com. If you want to support a great cause, I'm a charity partner with the Second Wind Fund, a Colorado organization that focuses on improving access and delivery of suicide prevention care for children and youth at risk for suicide. You can donate to the cause by going to coloradogives.org forward slash M3 podcast. As a reminder, simply by listening to the show, a dollar is going into the pot. If you want more dollars to go in the pot, share the show with others who may appreciate it. If you want to reach out to Coach Morgan to show appreciation for the excellent work that he does or sign up for the People's Coach newsletter, you can find him at morganlattimore.com. All the links to each of these are going to be in the show notes. So thanks for joining us for another episode of the Mere Mortal Marathon podcast. And just remember, mere mortals can do extraordinary things. Thank you.